0: Charles Mitchell up. Um, he's going to be delivering our message again today. Let's give him a hand as he comes on up. Well, good morning, Hope Church. Good morning. I'm so happy to be back with you. fine Sunday morning. The sun is shining. Oh, something changed. <laughs> we're now. now we're on. It's official. Uh, thank you so much again for having me. This is my third time here Uh fill in for the pulpit for you guys. I hear that you have a pastor, Pastor Ryan, is that correct? Coming very soon, I'm sure you're all very excited. Um, my, I come from uh, Faith Church Munster in Munster, Indiana. My wife, Brianne, is here with our two of our five children. And uh, it's interesting, we drive south of Route 30, and all of a sudden, we're Yankees. <laughs> and uh, But it's so good to be had. Uh, This is my second time here for a potluck, so I'm excited for that. I did skip breakfast, so I hope there's some good dishes there this morning. This morning, uh, as we get into God's Word together, I'm upcycling a message that I wrote about the beginning of spring this past year for a series that Faith Church has been doing called Good Questions. And the question that I was assigned to when I wrote this sermon was, why am I here? Now, if you're good... Christian folk like myself, you probably have those biblical answers ready to go at the tip of your tongue for me and saying, Charles, this is a complete waste of my time. I know why I'm here, right, to glorify God. Amen? Amen. Amen. But let me ask you a question about this. Even though we know exactly why we're here, do we not always sometimes question why are we here? It's quite a conundrum, is it not? Everybody asks why we are here. I have chickens in my backyard over on the north side of the world. Uh, it's not exactly street legal, so please keep it to yourself. Uh, but we have chickens, and it's so interesting. As much as I dislike those chickens, they smell, and they're dirty, and they're all kinds of they are annoying to me. They ruin my landscaping, but it is fun. I catch myself sitting on my back patio often watching these chickens. And the chickens, from the minute they wake up to the minute they go to bed, they are concentrated on one thing and one thing only, eating. They spend all day poking around on the ground, foraging, foraging, foraging. That's all chickens think about is eating and laying eggs. And the legs are delicious, by the way. But that's something unique about human beings, brothers and sisters. Human beings are the only of God's creation that wake up wondering to themselves on a daily basis, why am I here? What is my purpose? What am I doing here? What am I going to do today? Amen? Why do we ask these questions? Life is full of difficult questions about what's right, what's wrong. We have to ask those questions to ourselves on a daily basis. We have complications at work. We have complications at home. We have complications in our relationships. There are things that are trying, there are pangs in life that cause us to wonder and ask, sometimes at least, when we're really honest with ourselves, is it all really worth it? Why am I actually here? Is all this pain and suffering actually worth it? Is all this hard work actually worth it? Well, we have options as to how we answer that question. And as Hope Church goes out, and I love the slides that we've seen up this morning about you guys getting plugged in and finding ways to serve, and you guys have a heart for your community, this community to Lowell, but that stretches out past Lowell into the region and into the world. Amen? And people are going to start, people are going to, you're going to run into this question over and over and over again as you serve Christ, as you serve the kingdom, you will run into this question what's it all about? What does it all mean? Historian Carl Becker suggests this from a scientific viewpoint, humans are little more than a chance deposit on the surface of the world, carelessly thrown up between two ice ages by the same forces that rust iron and ripen corn. That's one option. There's people walking around in this world today that believe that that's what life is all about. What Carl's saying is there's no meaning. Death and suffering are just are. The only meaning and purpose you will find in this life is death and taxes. Amen? <laughs> it seems that way sometimes, doesn't it? That doesn't seem very comforting. So what do people do when they have this, this life view, when, when this is what their life is all about? A lot of people, when, they, when the, this is what they think is, us, they just don't think about it. And how do you not think about a life so meaningless? You distract yourself as much as possible, so you, can, you don't have to think about anything at all. You live like the Epicureans. You eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. Amen? Another option is that you can't find meaning. There is no meaning, but you can have a meaning in life. Life in general is insignificant, but you can find ways to make yourself and your day significant. We have stoicism, where you, you adopt a sense of duty in something or someone, right? You decide that I'm going to go out and be this really good guy or this really giving woman or I'm going to make me being a mother or a father everything there is in life, and I'm going to be the best mom or dad possible, right? And all those things in themselves are not wrong, But if that's what your whole life meaning and purpose is wrapped up in, you're in trouble. Because at the end of the day, when you die, you're not a mom anymore. When this body fails me and I go to glory, I'm I'm not worried about how good of a dad I was. (laughs) Right? And my kids, they keep going. But if life has no meaning, once we die, he might as well not be my son anymore. You hear where I'm going? You follow your heart's desire, you fulfill your dreams, your family, your fortune, your fame, you feel good. Fill your life with philanthropy. Give yourself some kind of internal meaning. But here's the problem with all that. That person you're caring for is going to die. The money that you've been going after, like a madman or woman, is going to go away. There's never enough. If fame is what you're about, say you're like, I just want to be famous. I'm going to be a rock star or an actor or famous in my field of work, the fame will fade. The fame will eventually fade in your life and be assigned to somebody else that's better. No matter how much philanthropy you do, it can be undone, and new problems can and will arise. So when you really pause and think about it, no matter which of these philosophies and these paths you choose, it kind of all ends up being one thing, meaningless. C.S. Lewis, he's a great uh, thinker of our time, day and time, says this, he breaks it down like this, the universe is a universe of nonsense, but since you are here, grab what you can. Unfortunately, however, there is on these terms so very little left to grab, only the corset sensual pleasures. You can't expect in the lowest animal sense to be in love with a girl if you know and keep on remembering that all the beauties both of her person and of her character are a monetary and accidental pattern produced by the collision of atoms and that your response to them is only a sort of psychic phosphorescence arising from the behavior of your genes. Pay attention, it's going somewhere. You can't go on getting any very serious pleasure from music if you know, and remember, this is for the musicians out there, that its air of significance is pure illusion, that you like it only because your nervous system is irrationally conditioned to like it. You may still in the lowest sense have a good time, but just in so far as it becomes very good warmth and enthusiasm and joy, so far as you will be forced to feel the hopeless disharmony between your own emotions and the universe in which you really live. If life is meaningless, if all you're doing is living for today, and if there is no God in all of this, There's no sense or purpose in anything, even the simplest pleasures. It doesn't matter, is what C.S. Lewis is saying. So modern secular world, this world that you're going out to and serving, that says there is no God, or there might be a God, but what matters is the here and now. The modern secular world doesn't put any weight in the past. How God has shaped your past and my past, how God has... How you can look into your past and and go into your faith bank and say, God, man, have you been faithful? Even unto sending your son Jesus, that matters to those that belong to God and that live for God. But to the world, nothing is significant. So that's why the modern world says this. And we see this all over the news. We see it everywhere we look. Live for yourself. Pursue your dreams. You find you. You do you. You look from within and you find your own meeting. But that doesn't work according to the Bible because our first point this morning, we're going to get into our text now, Jesus lived on purpose to give us purpose. In order for that to make sense to us, the reason Jesus lived on purpose to give us purpose because, brothers and sisters, somewhere along the way, you and I, humanity, lost its purpose. We have lost our purpose so we need to go outside of ourselves to find that purpose. And that brings us to our text this morning. John 12, 23 and 26. Before I read it, give you a little background on this text. This co-assigns with Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He's, at, he's kind of at the, the doorsteps of his own death and crucifixion. And he's come in, and if you remember you know Palm Sunday, and everyone's shouting Hosanna, and everyone around, even if they don't know Jesus that well, even if they think he's He's not all that he's cracked up to be. Everyone's taking notice of him. And he's walking into this very Greek culture, this very Roman culture. And one thing we know about the Greeks, and this is for the boys and girls out there that paid attention to school, at least a little bit as I did, amen? And uh, that's not very much. (laughs) Uh, Greeks were the big thinkers of their world, right? A lot of our philosophy, a lot of the big thinkers from the ancient times come from this Greek culture. And these Greeks are watching Jesus walk in, and they're like, what is going on? So they sit with Jesus and some, some Jews are sitting around with the Israelites too and they're like, hey man, you just marched in here like you're the, you're the next big thing. What's going on? What, what is the meaning behind you? What is your purpose for being here? And Jesus says something, he, he answers them in a super bizarre way. And in verse 23, this is John 12, I believe it's on the screen. There we go. Jesus replied to them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. This is, the way, this is his explanation to everybody. Truly I tell you, Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servants also will be. And if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Will you pray with me? Father God, we give you thanks, Lord, for being in your house with your people. Lord, we give you all the glory because you and you alone are worthy for it, Lord. And as we go into your word this morning, you say that your word is alive. So I pray for myself and for my brothers and sisters here this morning at Hope Church that your word would become alive in us and that you would cause us to pursue your very best for us, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in these words, Jesus tells of his purpose and also our purpose, which is ultimately found in him. Amen? We can all agree on that. Jesus' purpose for living was to die for our sins. But these people are saying, like, so you're finally here. You're marching in like this this valiant uh, steed, and your purpose in itself is to die. That seems so strange, does it not, that Jesus would... He's got this plan, God's got this, this life-size plan, but the plan, the purpose, the meaning of it all is for Jesus to die. Rather than seeking his own glory, his life was for that of a greater purpose. He doesn't fulfill his purpose by de- defeating his enemies like we would want him to, like the Israelites wanted him to. Instead, he comes and fulfills his purpose by being defeated by his enemies, in a sense. John 6:38. Through forty says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. John 8.50 says this, I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and judges. So again, Jesus is very clear here. My purpose and plan is to die for you. My purpose and plan is to fulfill the purpose and plan of my Father in heaven. So Jesus' purpose is death. Let that sink in for a second. Jesus came to fulfill his death. Why? Why was Jesus' purpose death? Because again, Jesus came to fill his purpose because we had lost ours. Brothers and sisters, if you open up the Bible just to the first couple pages, and it's a thick book, just in Genesis, you see God's people, starting with Adam and Eve, screwing things up all over the place. They could not get anything right, it would seem. They had lost their purpose. They were wandering around. They didn't know what was up and what was down. And that's important for us to understand this morning. Because of sin, because we have lost our purpose... We cannot subscribe to the world's antidote to our purpose and meaning. Brothers and sisters, if we have lost our purpose in ourselves, there is no way that we can go inwardly to find our purpose and meaning in life. The only way that we are going to find our way and to find any significance in this life is if we look outside of ourselves. So when the world tells us, friends, that... Everything's internal and we can just, we just make up our own identity and we do whatever we want and whatever feels right to me because I can't trust what's inside Charles. I have to go outside of him to find what's right and what's true and who I am and why I'm here. So what is our purpose? What is our purpose according to Jesus? As I was preparing this lesson I kept thinking to myself, I've got to land on this golden question. I've got to answer this question or else people are going to stone me, right? If I tell everybody, like, your purpose might be wrong, and don't give them a good one to land on before I leave, I have gone wrong. We find our purpose in the text. We go back to our text this morning, verse 24. Truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself, but if it dies, it produces much fruit. A grain of wheat, if you know anything about farming, I didn't until I prepared this message. Uh, as opposed to a whole grain of stock, a seed on its own is worthless, right? And a grain of wheat, really, that's the seed for the whole stock, okay? But a seed on itself, if you just take a seed or a flower, my wife gardens, and she plants seeds every year, if she just took the seed and said, Charles, hey, I bought some seeds and put them on the kitchen table, they would just remain seeds, Amen? And a seed on its own, last time I checked, is pretty worthless. Amen? But what happens when you plant the seed? It grows, and it turns into something useful. It bears fruit, and that's what Jesus is saying. In order for me to bear much fruit, this seed needs to be planted. The seed needs to die. And once it's planted, buried, put to death, it produces the wheat. Something that has purpose and worth. Jesus is alluding here to his own situation. Everyone's wondering, why are you here? What's going on? He's like, I'm going to die. That's my purpose. They didn't realize that. They didn't get it. They were confused. They're like, this guy's a whack job, but okay, Jesus. Verse 25, the one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So what's our purpose, brothers and sisters? Our purpose, just like Jesus, is to die as well. And please hold on. This is going somewhere. Our purpose and meeting in life is to die too, but not in the physical sense. This is not a call to despise yourself or your person or, or your body. Rather, the one who loves his or hers life. Someone who delights in his or her life in this world more than in God. That's to love your life so much that you couldn't even come to close to thinking about the fact that this body and this life and this existence and what you're experiencing today, the good, the bad, and the ugly is not God's best for you. It's going to get better. This life is not his ultimate endgame. It's an eternity with him forever in perfection. The one who hates his life, what does that mean? Again, I don't want anyone to walk out of here suicidal. Someone who thinks so little of his or her life and so much of God that they are willing to sacrifice it all to God. Following Christ, self-sacrifice. And brothers and sisters, following Christ selflessly also means following him into pain sometimes. Following God into valleys sometimes. Following him into the unknown, wondering, how is this going to turn out? God, this seems sketchy to me. Or like, this does not seem like this could ever be anyone's good. And you want me to follow you into this. You want me to trust you in this. Sometimes that's what it looks like to follow Christ in self sacrifice. What would an open hand approach look like that in this world today? What if people weren't running around saying, It's mine, I gotta grab mine, I gotta get what I can? Instead, everybody walked around with open hands. So, what's mine is yours. You know what? What's mine is God's, anyways. Here you go. What if the church looked more like that, brothers and sisters? Not just monetarily, right? It's not always about money and me giving his, you know. I have this money, I mean, give it all away. Sometimes it's our talents and our treasures. I'll be honest with you. God did not bless me with huge fortunes of money. Yet. <laughs> but I keep asking him, Nancy. <laughs> but sometimes it's God's asking me to use my talents. Sometimes your treasures isn't the gold in your purse, sometimes your treasure is your time. Right? Maybe God's saying, I want you to take. One less vacation this year. Four is too many anyways. I'm glad someone laughed. (laughs) And spend more time serving at church. Or maybe you serve so much at church because life at home is too hard. Amen? And God's saying, I want you to trust me today. I want you to go back to your first love. I want you to go be the husband and the father I called you to be. Or the mother I called you to be. The church doesn't need you. Amen? Whatever that might look like in your life, but what's mine is God's, and what God's is for whatever he decides to use it for, is that your stance? Is that the posture of your heart this morning? How do we live into the purpose and what is the goal? If anyone serves me, this is verse 26, he must follow me. Where am I? There my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So Jesus gives this road map as to where he's going and where we must go if we belong to him. And then he gives us this awesome promise at the end of it. You want to be honored? You want the fame and the fortune? You want God's very best that he could ever give anybody, bestow anybody? Follow Jesus. That's the road map. And he will honor you. I want to be honored. I don't know about you. Following someone else to find purpose in life is very offensive in this world today, brothers and sisters. Again, I find my identity within. You just need to affirm it, right? That's what happens when we say, okay, my new identity is going to be this or that. And then you put it on social media and then everything blows up. And it's like, you know what, this doesn't feel right. I'm miserable, but I've got 5 million likes and people keep saying they're for me. I've never met them before and probably never will. And this is the great deception that we live in. That's the great deception that we live in. Because at the end of this life, for those that don't belong to Christ, that's it. You've already relived your best life here on this earth. But for Christians, death is not the end. It's the goal. It's the beginning. At the end of this life is the beginning of an eternal one. At the end of this life is the beginning of living and our Creator's original purpose and dwelling with him, for him, in paradise, fully, truly, already paid for. Leave your checkbook at home. That's what awaits us. This is what the Apostle Paul's conclusion was as he pondered the meaning and purpose of his life. And he lived a life. Philippians 3, 7 and 11, he says, But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them as dung. All things as dung. I would share with you what the Greek word is for dung, but I'm not allowed to say that word in church. So that I may be gained Christ, he says and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but the one that is through faith in Christ. This is profound news. This is what I want you to trade in, whatever you have going on in your life right now, for a life fully dependent on and living for and in Christ. But does it stack up to suffering? That's all fine and well, Charles, but you know you have no idea what's going on in my life right now, and I don't. In Christianity, suffering has a purpose and meaning, though. Different from any other religion, any other secular worldview. If there is no God, and there is no eternal purpose to all this, even your suffering, why even suffer? If you've got a terminal disease, just end it. What does it matter? Why go through it? At the end of the day, loss is loss. All this pain and crying and all this stuff means nothing, but to Christians... God uses all of it. He promises to use all of it. and He says, I'm not done yet. It may not make any sense to you, but I've got a plan, and I even let you know what the end result is. I'm just not going to let you in on all the details getting you there because I love you too much. I don't want to scare you off. and I don't want you to be back in that Garden of Eden with me someday. That's God's message to us. Tim Keller says this, and I'm going to end with this. Tim Keller says, Christianity teaches that contrary to Stoicism, suffering is painful. Contrary to Buddhism, suffering is actually real. Contrary to karma, suffering is often unfair. But contrary but contrary to secularism, suffering is meaningful. There's a purpose in it. and when faced rightly, it can drive you like a nail deep into the love of God and into more stability and spiritual power than you could possibly ever imagine. So Jesus died that we could be restored to our Father. We have been invited on that mission with him, brothers and sisters, to restore this world one relationship at a time. And as you enter into these relationships, as you, as you go out on mission and in the vision of when you planted this church to begin with, to go out into your neighborhoods, even into your own families, when that question arises, why am I here? You get to point to the one who's worth living for. And it's not me or you the one who paid it all amen Amen. pray with me father god we give you thanks lord for who you are we give you thanks for what you've done in jesus christ holy spirit i pray that this morning and always lord as we leave out of here as we live our lives father that, that your holy spirit would help that to be ingrained in our hearts in such a way that it will it will it will take residence in our beings lord that we would have the power in jesus christ to go not only live that out but speak it out to serve it out for your kingdom and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.